0: Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders, brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter, where our handle is, at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Chicago Podcast. I'm Nate, your host of today's podcast, and we're actually coming to you live from Las Vegas, Nevada, here at the National Film Market Association's annual conference. And I'm really excited because this is the first time that I've gotten to record a live podcast in front of an audience. So this is really cool. But I want to welcome Christina Dukas and Lisa Povich along with us. So, uh... They will be our guests today. So Lisa, Christina, thank you for joining me.
2: Thank Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah. Uh, Christina, we're going to start here with you. And what I would like you to do is just do a quick introduction of yourself. And then I'd actually like you to also share with us about the NFMA We we did record a live, an episode earlier with Ted Joseph and Justin Joseph from Swaparama, who talked a little bit about the NFMA. But if you could share what we're doing here this week, that would be great.
2: Yeah, um, so my name is Christina Dugas. I work for Swap Arena, um, which we operate in Chicagoland and Florida. Um, I was introduced to the NFMA about four years ago, which NFMA stands for National Flea Market Area Association, um, but it's been around for decades before my time. So um, it was something that was kind of brought to our attention when Justin and I. Um, started working in this industry and definitely piqued our interest because we wanted to be able to um, not only help the association grow, um, but also learn from colleagues. Uh, that was very important to us. So that's how we got here. I also sat on the board. Uh, I help with marketing, so this has been very helpful. <laughs> um, and we also have never done a live podcast, I would uh, so this is really exciting for us to be here too, and
0: yeah, Lisa, Lisa.
1: Yeah, Lisa, if you could share with us, uh, give you give a little introduction, and then I'm going to ask you a little question after that. So just share a little bit about who you are with us.
0: Um, so my name is Lisa Povich. Um, I've been with United Flea Markets for 27 years. Um, done a little bit of everything in the realm of flea markets. Um, so kind of. We started coming to the National Flea Market Association um, when we were just one market, which was Mile High Flea Market, um, our first one, and now we have grown to um, 15 markets. So all across the country, um, we're big supporters of the National Flea Market Association. Um, They do wonderful things for, for the kids, for just across networking, and um, it's been a joy. I also
1: sit on the board of directors for the National Association. Awesome. One of the things that I'd like to hear from you, Lisa, is something that when you started getting involved with flea markets that you found that was surprising about them that maybe people wouldn't know who had, haven't been to a flea market yet, what's something that, that you think they should know about flea markets or about the vendors that might surprise them?
0: So I think the biggest thing about flea markets, I think, is you can find anything. Um, used stuff, new stuff, antique stuff. I mean, the treasure hunting is huge, so I think that's the biggest thing for if you're becoming a seller, that don't rule anything out. I think you can sell anything. that there's, there's a buyer out there for something. So they will, that's what a lot of the buyers like is that, that hunt to come out and try to find that one little treasure. So I think that's why flea markets thrive so much because if you have the right product or just even if it's just garage sale stuff or used stuff, antique stuff, buyers are going to find that and hunt for it.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Christine, I'd like to go back to your the way that you look at involvement with the community because one of the things that I've learned is that markets are actually really involved. They're really integral to the communities that they're in. And so can you share about what is beneficial for the community to have a
2: market in, in the structure there? Yeah, so I think uh, a few people had mentioned at our conference that... Um, we were fortunate enough that our markets were open. Although we had to close, uh, we were open. We opened fairly quickly, more than some other retail uh, businesses. Um, so off the, off the top of my head, I can say why. Well, because we supply. Um, we we aren't just a Walmart, right? Where someone comes and here's all your items. This is my neighbor. This is my uncle. This is. You know, members of the community that rely on the flea market, whether it's to get a dollar's worth of apples in a barrel or on the flip side to sell that dollar barrel of apples to feed their family. Um, and so I think for me, it's kind of the biggest takeaway. Um, In addition to what Lisa said, it's really cool to hunt and be able to watch people do that, but we are such a huge part of our communities in wherever you are, whether in California or a small town, um, and operate on a high level or a small level. I think at the end of the day, those are the goals, and vendors are just normal people. It's not, it is different than an Amazon. It is different than, you know, some of these other players. So it makes it more personal, it makes it easier for us to do what we do, it makes it easier for us to be a little bit more passionate because these are normal people.
0: So and that's so, the livelihood. Yeah. It's the seller's livelihood to be out there. When I, I don't know about everybody else, but when we closed, I mean, those sellers were devastated. That's where they make their dollar. And so when we opened back up, the sellers were very thankful and grateful that we have
1: that platform where they can come back and start making their money. And Lisa, I'm imagining that most of these vendors, they don't have multiple stores. They don't have multiple markets that they go to. I'm guessing many of them go to your market and your market alone. So if that's true, if that's the case, then for you, what is that relationship with you and the vendor? How has that grown? And, And how do you see them as people, as you were saying, people who were greatly affected not just by the pandemic, but by the inability for people to kind of feel safe in public spaces. How did you see these vendors interacting with them and with you? And, and what kind of changed in you about the way that you see the individual actual vendor? So I
0: think with with all of our markets, we, we really try to let the vendor know that they're special. You know, so we'll have um, seller appreciation days or even if it's just giving out donuts and coffee but try to let them know that we appreciate them coming out to our market and selling every day um, and you know it's it's hard because you take it personal you know when everybody out there you have to do a price increase and it's just so hard because that you know you, you really take it personal and that seller's like, well, we're not making any money you know and it's like you're just like, well, you we have to make it um, good for everybody So we try to um, say, well if we're going to raise it here, we got to make sure that you know that you know we're spreading it across the board and we're doing different things to make the experience for the buyer better. So we try to get the sellers to make that experience better also. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's really important is it, it, it's everyone benefits from yeah. the markets being there, it's the buyers, it's the sellers, it's the organization. Everyone can really benefit from these markets being in these communities. And I think understanding that these are real people who are handcrafting these items or who are finding these items and kind of curating them, I think is really important, important for people to know because if you go to any of the big, as they call them, big box stores. You know, that's important too. You can go and buy the things that you can buy there. But I think when you go to these places and see the people who are creating these things or see the people who are doing the work, it brings it to another level. It adds a level of humanity to purchasing goods that you just don't get in another way.
0: Well, Christine even said it. It makes it, it's a, it's a community. Yeah. It, the sellers come out, and you'll get the seller that's in that permanent space that's always in there, and they don't want to move because people know them and they know their neighbor, and the neighbor will help them when they need to go get food or, you know, so it becomes a family. So the sellers become families and it gets very personal.
1: Yeah. Christina, kind of. Going alongside that, can you talk about the NFMA's social obligation, because I know that they take it very seriously, and they have a scholarship in place to kind of address part of that, but can you talk about the NFMA's social obligation, how they see that and what they're doing knowing
2: that? Yeah, so um, I think one of, we have many proofs of being a lot of but one of them would be the scholarship, the Bart Nelson um, scholarship, um, so what's high level that is, is basically giving back to, you know, those people that serve us as well on our teams. So what does that mean? And that means it could be, um, you know, and we've, we've spent some time kind of defining this and fine tuning it throughout the years as well. At least that I've been there. So we want to give back to these kids. Um and team members of ours that are invested and that um, you know want to excel their education but have also been working very hard because we know the flea markets are open on the weekends, uh, typically, and so these folks are you know dedicated to being there every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and it's just kind of our way of giving back. Um, so we have a nice um, committee in place that Ken Hines uh, leads and Tim and his team will go through all of our applications um, at a very great level. And we have always such great people. At the end, I know from a board member standpoint, reading some of these stories of these people that are literally on our payrolls, right? And it's so cool to see, you know, their ambitions and their goals. And we want to support that and give back. And so um, that's what Lisa does with the 50 Raffle and our auction that's going to be happening uh, during this conference, too. Um, so we always encourage people to support that because it really is a great cause. And again, it could be someone on your payroll and someone that you know is dedicated. Um, so we really it's
0: something that we're passionate about here. And as a, as a market owner, when you get a team member that applies for the scholarship and like wins the scholarship, I mean it makes you as a market owner very proud. I mean, we've had I think a couple at our market and it's just it is very exciting when that person wins because it's something that you're involved in and then you could pass that along to your team members. So they they they're like, wow, this is great. You know, we never even knew that was existed. And so it's pretty a neat neat program.
1: Well at Bridging Chicago, we're all about sharing stories and The Barton Nelson Scholarship Fund is all about kind of helping create those stories. And so it's really full circle, which I think is really cool. Ladies, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, yeah. Thanks for uh, this new experience for the podcast and uh, I think for the association as well. So it's been really great. Thank you to our listeners. We want to thank you for uh, always connecting with us and listening to the podcast And uh, make sure you continue to do that at www.bridgingchicago.com, where you can hear this podcast and all of our previous episodes. You can also see all all the information about the NFMA's conference and our involvement with that. And so with that, I want to thank you for joining us again. And we'll catch you on another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thank you
2: so much. So that's it.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice.